Welcome to the Inspire Podcast. I'm Heather Tice, and this is a place where the unexpected and sometimes crazy moments of life meet up with sacred truth. It's where we get together to talk with other real Christian women who are living out their purpose in a unique way that only their sovereign creator God could have designed. Our hope is that while you're here, you'll laugh a lot, be blessed by the ways that God moves among his daughters, maybe find an idea or two, and most of all, that you'll be inspired to live for him in the week ahead of you. So whether you're washing dishes, getting in some exercise, or just driving on your daily commute, we are so glad that you've joined us here at the Inspire Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Inspire Podcast. Today, I am with three lovely ladies who are going to be sharing with us what God has taught them about Bible study, ways to study your Bible, and just kind of getting to know these women from our church. So first of all, I have Becky Meisner here. So Becky, tell us where you're from. Well, Heather, thank you for having me today. I'm happy to be here. And um, yes, I am originally from Amish country, Pennsylvania, a little town called Elverson, population less than a thousand. (laughs) Okay. So when you say Amish country, I feel like everyone from Pennsylvania says I'm from Amish country. Okay. But I was just there and there's definitely Amish country and then like not Amish country. Pennsylvania is huge. And I don't think people realize how big it is. You've got Philly, you've got way on the other side of the state is Pittsburgh. And so, you know, you've got a pretty big state. And, you know, most people that are from the East don't think much, you know, of, you know, the West or travel much. I'm speaking like with a very broad, painting with a broad stroke here, but, you know, and the Westerners don't make it to the East maybe as much. And it's just, it's a big state. And, but I was Southeastern Pennsylvania. That's where I'm from. And were there literally Amish farms near you? Yes. How close to you? Oh, right. In your town? Neighbors. Neighbors. Yeah. Have you ever been to an Amish wedding? I have not. I've been to like a Christmas service before, which was really cool. Oh, that's cool. It was candlelight, you know, singing Silent Night in German. It was really cool. Oh, that is neat. So uh, we were just up there this last weekend, as you yes. know. And it was interesting because we were driving down the road and we saw all these buggies, like hundreds. Mm-hmm. We thought it was, we were so Vegas city folk. <laughs> we thought it was like a buggy dealership. <laughs> which I don't think they actually have test, buggy test driving day. <laughs> but I was like, look at all, we were trying to figure out what, and then we realized, oh, it's, they were just parked so far out. And then we found out when we went to um, kind of a place where you could learn about the Amish, we mm-hmm. kind of did the touristy thing. They explained it was wedding day. So after mm-hmm. harvest time, they have weddings and they have hundreds of guests, hundreds upon mm-hmm. hundreds of guests. Yes. And so it was really just fascinating, really interesting. But um, I would, I said we should have crashed an Amish wedding. Like, I oh, feel like yeah. I've missed out. I've got to go back to Pennsylvania, you, you know, and jump in there. You might have stood out a bit, but yes. Well, next <laughs> time I'll be prepared because now I know what to wear. Like, yes. I've, I've been through the museum, yeah, so I really know what cool to wear. Experience. Yeah. So it'll be hard to give up the makeup, but I think it would be worth it. Yeah. I have to, you know, come up with an Amish name. I don't know. Is it yeah. Heather? And, uh, German. I need something with German roots. You know, so yeah. we'll figure it out. So you look I, like a Susanna to me. A Susanna. Oh, I'll call you Susanna. there it is. So <laughs> next time, if any of you Amish are listening, <laughs> because they can, <laughs> because they use cell phones and things now, like there's certain rules still, mm-hmm. but yeah. So if any of you are listening to our podcast, just if you meet a Susanna one day mm-hmm. at a wedding, it could be me. It might be Heather. It might be me. <laughs> this is really so great. I just love the idea that some, some Amish person is listening to our podcast. I do too. Okay. Actually. How long have you been at Southern Hills, Becky? Four years. Four years. Yep. Okay. Celebrated my fourth year anniversary. Wonderful. And we love having you here. Um, Becky is part of a ministry called Friends of Israel Mm -hmm. that reaches out to the Jewish community in Las Vegas. So she's got an interesting perspective on that. And uh, we'll probably have you at another podcast share more about that another another time. Uh, We also have another person here, another lady here that's part of the Friends of Israel ministry. And her name is Lissy. I found out I have been saying it wrong. It's Elizabeth Perry, and I have been so southernizing your name. It's okay. Yeah, I have been calling you, like, Lissy. 
Doesn't that sound so heck, y'all? Like, Lisey, Lisey Perry's here with us today, y'all. <laughs> well, I'm called lots of things, so that was close enough. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what is the worst, maybe, pronunciation of that name you've heard, had? Oh, I mean, I get called Lizzie all the time. And so, like Lizzie with generally, I will try to guess if the person is going to be able to get it right or remember, I will mm-hmm. tell them Lizzie. Otherwise, yeah. I'll just stick with Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was so gracious. She's been very patient as I am learning to properly say it, which I appreciate that. By the way, if you're from Southern Hills and you are listening to this and you are like, our pastor's wife never says my name right, please come tell me. <laughs> I will learn how to say your name. I- Lissy is expecting, mm-hmm. she and Ty are expecting their very first baby. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. And having a little girl. Mm-hmm. Named Charlotte. Yes. See, I said that right. Yes, you did. Yep. And <laughs> by the time this podcast airs, she'll probably be with us in person. See, we just blew it because podcasting, you're not supposed to give like date. So people don't know that this was recorded so long ago. You know, if we're really behind and Charlotte's like three, this is going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> if this is not released till then. <laughs> she just left for college and... Uh, <laughs> goodness hopefully we'll get done before then so all right and then the last member of our phenomenal group here is Sandra yes so I'm uh, my name is Sandra Mekashev and I'm initially from Philippines I moved here when I was seven so Mm -hmm. pretty much grew up here I'm 33 right now and um, yeah that's about it I I was in Southern Hills three and a half years ago Um, and we went to the Freedom Feast and that's when I, God had just confirmed in us, this is the church for us. Mm. We had played a board game with Pastor Josh, and he was <laughs> like, let's, let's get it down. And so you guys <laughs> went over to our house, and we played Catan, the Lord of Catan. Yeah. And that was, that was fun times, I thought. And that just kind of consolidated that this was the church for us. And if you can make it through a game night with me and my husband then this is the church for you that's like the ultimate test we should be doing that with membership class like the very last week should be a board game you've played games with me becky it's Um, intense right yeah but mostly like you know popping each other's balloons or something like that i haven't (laughs) done a board game yet with you i'm excited to try that oh yeah good times so goodness yeah it's it's intense (laughs) yeah we've heard about that It's all in good Christian fun, though. I mean, what's the point of winning if nobody's, like, trying to win? So we try very hard. I did not realize that Heather was that competitive at that time. And thinking about it right now, I think she was biting her tongue. (laughs) So when I flipped over the table, like, that wasn't a a giveaway that I was too into it. (laughs) Well, I did win the Lord of Catan, right? Pastor Josh. (laughs) Yeah, he cheats. Just keep record of that. No, I'm <laughs> He's not a cheating husband. He is a cheating pastor. He will cheat at the board games. Mm. So. <laughs> no, um, one of the things I love about Sandra is a few years ago, my goodness, it was a while ago. It seems like just yesterday, we were having coffee together and just talking about what the Lord was doing in your life and next steps spiritually. And one of the things God had put on your heart was the possibility of um, uh, starting a Bible study, a women's Bible study where women just got into the word of God. And I remember, I think I said something like, I think God's calling you to start this. <laughs> Do you remember that meeting? Well, I was looking for a women's Bible study <laughs> and then Heather came to me. Well, I think you should start a women's Bible study. <laughs> that and that's works. how it all got started. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really neat though, because sometimes God will put that burning desire mm-hmm. within someone's heart. And I remember too, you didn't just have the desire. You had some very, um, good expectations, very clear expectations of what you wanted to see. And even some ideas of studies, I'm like, we have been looking for someone and praying for someone. So you actually lead the Women of the Word small group. Yes. Uh, and currently they meet on Thursdays, correct? Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Ah, y'all have met on Thursdays in the past, right? <laughs> yes. 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 Last year they met on Thursdays and that's when I jumped in for oh, the first okay. time. And I'll just say that was really instrumental in me becoming involved in Southern Hills because I've only been going for the last year. And so that small group really connected me to the church and in general connected me to Vegas and helped me feel like it was home. Uh, You know, I'm so glad you said that. We're not getting into the topic yet, but, um, and this is a little off topic. It's not necessarily about Bible study, but really it it does all connect in a sense. If you want to grow in your walk with God, 
one of the best things to do is get connected with a small group. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes if you're at Southern Hills, you may be thinking, why are we always talking about small group? And what you just said (laughs) is so the heartbeat of why we say that, Mm -hmm. because that's what helps you get connected and do church. That's where you find accountability. That's Mm -hmm. where you can find those prayer partners and that growth. In fact, all of us around this table are highly involved in small groups. And I feel like maybe we'll even have an added question there about small groups after we talk Mm -hmm. about Bible study. So, um, but Women of the Word goes through different Bible studies. It's a little different type of small group. Some small groups are discussing the Sunday morning message. Um, My small group, we've actually transitioned to using three questions every time. And we spend more time on those three questions that are the same every week than we do on the actual sermon. We'll spend just a little bit of time on the sermon, and that's been tremendous. So every small group is so different. But right now, what is the study that your group is going through? It's called Lies Women Believe by Nancy Wolgamuth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be Nancy Lee DeMoss and she got married because mm-hmm. when I did that study years oh. ago, it was Nancy Lee DeMoss. Yeah. You were wondering who that was, right? Well, mazel tov. Congratulations. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, yes. I know her as Nancy Lee DeMoss. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know her new name, last name. So That's hearing great. you say it was yeah, a it's shock. It's amazing. Yeah. She just got married in a couple of years yeah. ago yeah, and yeah. she's well in her, I think. She got married at 62, I think. Phew. So you women who are single, there's hope <laughs> for you. I love it. Okay. Uh, so real quick, before we get into this, I want to let the women get to know you a little better. This is one of the purposes of our podcast. So I asked each of you to come and be prepared to share your pet peeve. All right. So let's see. Becky, how about we go back to you? Are you ready? What is your pet peeve? Well, you know, it changes quite frequently. But, um, you know, just thinking back to my roots a little bit ago in Amish country, we have these awesome things called whoopie pies, that it's an amazing baked good that really the Amish do best, they bake it best. Uh And um, one time I remember going into um, Starbucks and they have what they label as a whoopie pie, but it's not. And I saw it at Walmart too, you know, I just, I don't like it when things are mislabeled. Like to me, that's not a whoopie pie. It's a little toy food thing that's like, you know, it's a cookie sandwich. That's fine. Call it yeah. a cookie sandwich. <laughs> Don't call it a whoopie pie because it's not. Okay. I just have to like chime in here because I am from Alabama, the the home of barbecue. And when mm. I moved west, I was shocked because people would say, oh, we're going to have a barbecue. We're going to have barbecue. What they mean is hamburgers and hot dogs. Oh. And it has taken me years to learn this vernacular. And because I used to get so excited, Mm. yeah, we're going to barbecue, you know, and for those who don't know, for those of you who are from the West or California or something, real barbecue, it takes a smoker, like many hours. And it's just, it is a beautiful thing of tender meat, Mm -hmm. usually pork. That's my favorite barbecue, Mm -hmm. pulled pork barbecue. And Mm. it's just, it's a wonderful thing, but that is not what they mean by barbecue. So I know what you mean. The disappointment, you see it and you're like, oh, and for yeah. me, I just want to say, whoopie pie. Like, I feel right. like it needs some expression there. Well, oh, yeah, of course. How I do mean, you really say that's it That's how it got its name. Did how you know? How do Pennsylvania say it? Whoopie pie. Well, because that's the really Pennsylvania Dutch are very emotionless. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's about as far as we go with our whoopie and whoopie okay. pie. Just, it's a whoopie pie. It's a whoopie pie. So mislabeling Meant things. to be taken seriously. Okay. So don't mislabel stuff around Becky. Yeah. She will smack you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Might. <laughs> you haven't smacked anybody from mislabeling no. a whoopie pie. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. But I can't promise. Ooh, well, that's good. Oh just watch out. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. She'll give you a whooping for mislabeling whoopie pie. <laughs> okay, Sandra, what about you? What is your pet peeve? Well, I don't know if you pet peeve yourself, but I pet peeve myself <laughs> all the time. Well, <laughs> I go to a grocery store every week and I try to use everything that I bought. And I had bought these mushrooms and it cost about like two fifty to three dollars. Mm-hmm. And when I don't use those mushrooms or like the tomatoes that I bought and have to waste them, I pet peeve myself. So just you don't because like waste. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I hate wasting money. It's yeah. like three bucks down the great drain. I could have bought something with it, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my pet peeve. I pet just hate, I hate wasting. Yeah. Do you hate when other people waste? Like when you see people throwing away stuff that you're like, ah, oh, that could be used. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't affect me the way I, I do it, but because maybe I'm just a little hard on myself because I bought it's my money. You know, I don't want to waste my money, Yeah. but other people can waste their money if they wanted to. But I'd be like, hey, why don't you donate to Friends of Israel instead? You know, and 
great idea. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So when you use everything, you're putting that recipe together and you have it all and it all goes in, you had exactly enough mushrooms or exactly enough cherry tomatoes, do you go, whoopee? <laughs> Not exactly. I just I just go on with my life. I mean <laughs> No celebration. We just lost how many listeners right there with that, that little joke. I'm sorry. I would pro- say it gets you know better from here, but there's no guarantees with this podcast. <laughs> no, um, I know what you mean, and I'm going to tell you, your children are still, for the most part, young. You have one teenage daughter, but um, I'm telling you, when the kids get older, this is my frustration, is I will buy the exact amounts I need for stuff, mm-hmm. and then I'll go to make the recipe, and somebody has eaten that thing that I needed for the recipe. So I had it perfectly planned out and I buy them extra snacks. There's plenty of food in the Tice household, but they choose the food that is for that meal I'm making. And then I have to run to the grocery store. And so I go, whoopee. That's my, (laughs) how many times can we say whoopee in this podcast? So I think uh, Lissy's pet peeve is going to be people saying whoopee too much. Is that the overuse of whoopee? No, I was going to say that my pet peeve is when people say my name wrong, but that is not true. (laughs) It's not true. You can say my name wrong and still be my friend. That is totally fine. I'm so relieved. I've been sitting here wondering if we were still friends. She's not Lizzie McGuire. Okay. Oh, yeah. There you go. No, my pet peeve is actually similar to Zandra's. I think we should be friends. No, we are friends. <laughs> but um, my pet peeve is when somebody, like, is running water excessively or, like, leaves the fridge open. That just, like, I see dollar signs going down the drain. I don't know. Yeah. So leaving on water. And you're from Michigan, right? I don't know if yeah. you said that earlier. Yeah. And I love where you're from in Michigan. Yeah, I'm from Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. There really like, is a place. This is Whoopi. Kalamazoo and Whoopi. They need to go together. So yep. is there ever water sh- shortages in Michigan? In Michigan? No, definitely not. <laughs> but still, so yeah. where did the, I'm wondering where this pet peeve came from. I don't know, but okay. it drives me crazy. Brush your teeth. Yes. Do you leave the water running? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're going to move on because I'm not going to say what I do <laughs> when I brush my teeth. <laughs> no, I, I will say I have a teenage child right now, a couple of teenage children. And they are great with helping with dishes. But there's one who will be running water and doing dishes and will walk off to get something in another room with the water running. And that, that yeah. one gets me. So you get I it. I can handle yeah. it when you're brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. But, like, you left the room with the water on. Yeah. yeah. That ain't right. Can I get an amen there? Amen. Yes. Or a whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we better get to what our topic's about. Uh, We are talking about studying the Bible. And so um, I love that the Lord writes each of our stories differently. And so um, sometimes we were saved in early age, sometimes later in life. Sometimes we were saved in early age, but we didn't start walking with God till later in life. But um, it's amazing to me the different ways that, as I've talked with women, that God will begin to open up the understanding of his word. We all start somewhere. So if you're a brand new Christian or just a Christian who's never grown in their walk with God, take heart because everybody starts feeling like they don't know the Bible. So that is common, right? Would you all agree with that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so it's interesting to me that God will use sometimes different things. Sometimes it's a mentor one-on-one who teaches us the Bible study. Sometimes it's a, a book study that we get a hold of. Sometimes it's just, I know one lady that literally um, just shared the testimony. She just started digging into God's word and as a teenager. And she started with memorization. She said, I just thought, I don't understand this. I don't know this. And she asked a woman teacher um, that she loved and respected at her church. She said, where should I start memorizing? And as a 16-year-old girl, she just started memorizing portions of Scripture without anyone mm-hmm. challenging her. And that's how she really mm-hmm. began to dig into God's Word. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, real quickly, tell me how old each of you were when you trusted Christ. Becky? Uh, nine. Nine years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you, Lissy? I was almost five. Almost so five. about oh. as soon as it could have clicked. Wow. I have friends that around four. I don't think I've ever had a friend that said three. But I'm always impressed with the four-year-olds like yourself who mm-hmm. trust Christ because it took me a lot longer. I was six. So <laughs> I feel, I mean, that's not a lot longer. But you know no. what I mean. Mm-hmm. To me, I look at four-year-olds, and that's just impressive that understanding can open that early. But it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Sandra? Wow, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I got to know Christ 25 years old. 25? So that's yeah. ten, about eight years ago. 
Okay. But I'm amazed. Sometimes, um, I, I know sometimes as I talk to Christians who are saved later in life, they feel like, oh man, if I could have just started earlier. But I'm amazed at how sometimes when you're saved later in life, you just dig in quicker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes there's that comfortability when you've been raised in church or saved in early age of, oh, I know all this. And we don't really learn to study our Bibles, you know. And so mm-hmm. I love that. And that's something I see in your life that you've definitely taken advantage of these years and said, I am going to know God's word. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, tell me, what is something that helped you begin studying God's word? Who wants to start there? What is something that helped you begin studying God's word? Well, honestly, for me, as um, as a young girl, I went to my family. We were in church every time the doors were open. And um, and so I heard I heard the gospel frequently and there was a church school right there at the church and a day school and I attended there kindergarten through 12th grade and there was a bible memory program there and also within the day they had scheduled time right at the start of the school day where we had I think it was maybe 10 minutes five minutes to just have a devotional time in our in our own you know little offices with the Lord and so they they taught us from little on up how to have that time, to set time aside specifically to be in God's word, to pray, um, and to commit God's word to memory. So for me, actually, as a student, it was required. And so there's that mixture of like, oh, I just have to do this, you know. And now as an adult, I'm so thankful. <laughs> so now, see, this fascinates me. And we have this question a lot from parents of how do I, how do I help my child mm-hmm. begin to study God's word for myself? So what direction did they give you? They said, you've got 10 minutes now. Open your Bibles. Have your quiet time with the Lord. But did they, how did they instruct you in that? Did they give you any instruction? Like mm-hmm. read 10 verses or read a verse and write it out. What did they tell you to do? Anything? Well, as a class, we would memorize we work on memorizing one particular section of scripture. And so we'd say it all together as a class, um, but then you could also you know, just study and work on that Bible memory during that time. Um, or there was something called, there was a little booklet that, was, that they handed out at school. It's called Our Daily Bread. And now I've, I've looked, it, it is an app that you can get on your phone, but it's just a short daily devotional um, that has a scripture passage and um, a, a short devotional thought. And so we had, they made materials available to us and, um, and I can't think of anything in particular that they taught us. You know, So like they gave the you devotionals that you could read. It yes. wasn't just you had to open your Bible and that was it. Right. Um, in fact, I would say that's a hindrance that I found um, early on in my, I guess my 20s. I don't know how, I don't remember hearing somebody teach this, I had it in my mind that to have my Bible time with God, I couldn't have any other book open. Like it had to just be me and the word of God, which that's a beautiful thing in itself. But when you're, you don't know how to study the word of God, you don't know how to read it in context. Yeah. I had never had anyone show me that. So for years I look back and this is something I'm trying to make sure doesn't happen in my girls' lives. I want them to learn how to study the Bible and to use resources. Mm -hmm. So I love that as, as kids, you weren't just told sit there with nothing else. They said, here, use this. Here's a devotional. Mm -hmm. Here's something to get you started. And that's not a bad thing. So don't ever feel, um, uh, it's so silly that we feel guilt anytime we're trying to study the word Mm -hmm. of God, but Mm -hmm. it's true. Don't ever feel guilt for using a commentary or using a devotional to help you get to know God's word. The key is that we're learning his truth and wanting to know him. Um, as far as other resources and ladies, you may speak into this, but for kids, I know there was devotionals that you can get still now you can order them or get online apps. There was one called keys for kids when I was little and I've ordered Mm -hmm. that for my children. And of course there's a plethora of resources online available. I'm always looking for great devotionals for my kids. My favorite one for my teenagers is I found one for both Jonathan and Savannah that it's devotions written for teen guys by teen guys. And it's really fun because it kind of tells you at the top of the devotion, it's a short one, but it tells you where the guy is from, how old he is, and just a little about the guy writing the devotional. And so it's really fun um, to me, I would have loved that as a teenager. So any other resources for kids that you think of or teens? Yeah, um, when I was um, in elementary school, like th- that age, I did Word of Life. And it's very similar to Awana. So most people are more familiar with Awana. But Word of Life Olympians um, is a program that typically is at churches. But anyways, 
I had a quiet time devotional. And so it took me through a scripture passage when it was for first and first and second graders. It's usually just one verse, but then, um, as you get older, it's a lengthier passage. You look at that, it asks you a few questions about it, and then, um, gives you some type of way as a suggestion to apply it. And what's also neat is that if you have children that are of several different ages, they're all going through the same passage. Now that's terrific. And so that's something you could look into. We do have a Wani here at Southern Hills. It's a great way for kids to learn their Bible, a great way for you to teach your three and four-year-old how to have devotions. It's doing the Cubbies book with them Mm -hmm. and doing that verse time every day, playing games with it, just helping them learn to meditate on Scripture. But I love the idea that the whole family could get this Word of Life series and study through the same passage Mm -hmm. together. So at their own level, obviously, Mm -hmm. the youngest one's learning it at a, you know, a first grade level. Yeah. So that is amazing. All right. Any other resources you'd recommend? Well, I have a Mm two-year-old. And what I do with her is pretty much there's this curriculum called ABC Jesus Loves Me. Uh And you just kind of just play with your your kids. And I had bought a flannel graph (laughs) (laughs) for Gracie. Yeah. And we've been doing that. And so she'll post like the little flannel graphs on the the chart. And that's what I do with them. Yeah. You know, so... So I love it. Just getting creative and finding ways. And uh, that should be the heart of, of mothers. So, all right, Lace, what about you? How did you um, begin studying the scripture? What is something that helped you in the beginning? Well, that that Olympian quiet time was pretty instrumental at the beginning. But that really, I was more used to reading it. What helped me dig into the study of scripture was as a teenager, I was given um lots of different curriculums that ask questions of me of how does this apply um, and were more related to the context and that's what got me into the study of it more was as a teenager. And I love that that's one of the things I think you just hit on a key uh, of scripture study is saying how does this apply to me God how do you what do you want me to learn from this Um, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Having things that are interactive. And that's what I was talking about in my late twenties. When I began studying, actually using study guides, they were ones that would have me read passages. It might give me some helpful thoughts, but they would ask a good question that got me to think through that passage. And I had to answer in the book and it wasn't just answer like something that I've had studies that weren't very good before. And by the Mm -hmm. way, if you get a study and you're frustrated, it may be that you don't have a good study. (laughs) I remember in college getting one on Revelation. I never knew if my answers were right or wrong because they weren't, they were literally right or wrong questions. And I, there was no like answer thing in the back. I did not complete that study. (laughs) So I love that though. Having something that helps you that's interactive. Yeah. What about you, Xandra? What's something that helped you? Um, well, I, when I first became a Christian, I just I remember just having this insatiable mm-hmm. hunger for the Word of God. And I have yeah. to give the credit to the Holy Spirit on that. Mm-hmm. Because in Ezekiel 20, 36, 26, 36, 26 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being in a break room during my work. And I was squeezing every minute to hear the word of God mm-hmm. and to just listen to this sermons that um, at that time it was Mars Hill yeah. and just going through the book of Ruth. So just yeah. going through that book and um, I just found the hope that I needed so much. And it wasn't really the only place that I could turn to. And as far as the devotional um, studies, mm-hmm. uh, a book that helped me understand the word of God is women of the word by jen wilkin mm. and she, she's a great teacher she had um you know expounded on how to to read it and comprehend the text what is going on and in the background during the culture at that time because we yeah. can't just you know think that's what's going on from our point of view but we have to understand what the people are going through and the culture back in those days and then we can apply it to today today especially in books like ruth (laughs) where you were starting that's a good one to learn the context of what is going on why is she laying at his feet what what are they doing yeah so no that is a great um a great tip and you you mentioned something there that i think is great for studying the bible that we don't often give credit to but especially in this digital age listening to sermons 
That's mm-hmm. another way that you can enhance your Bible study and learn to read and study the scripture. Jen Wilkin, um, I've read just one of her books. I've got another one that's on my list. It's actually, I've already purchased it and I'm waiting to get into it, but I'm behind in my reading. But I have been impressed with her. Um, you can tell that she really has a heart for teaching the word of God and digs into it in a different way than many others I've read. So, yeah. I think she hits a key point with her studies. Um, and I just, I've read one of her books, like I'm on the third time through right now this year alone because it it hits on the key aspect of who is God in his character and recognizing who he is, his immutable um, character traits, and and worshiping him. And I think that's what all Bible study is and what our goal is. And every time we open God's word, it's a relationship and it's it's prayer. It's the back and forth. It's it's two way communication. And um and all for the purpose of knowing God. That is the ultimate chief gain that we can get out of Bible study. It's, it's relational. One of the best comments I ever heard that was just a comment that someone shared um, in a lesson. I've never forgotten it. I have a bad memory. So if I remember something years and years, that means it was really something that I needed and it was so good. And she said so often we open our Bibles and we're, we're looking as religious people of what, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? And I love what you just said, Becky. It's this is a book about God and not about a religious book to tell me what to do, though. Yeah, we, we do get application. There's so many times mm-hmm. that I'll read something. I'm like, oh, yes, that is so what I need to hear right now. But when we look at the Bible and we say, Lord, show me who you are. Mm-hmm. Let me see your face, just like Moses prayed that. Then, boy, when we begin to get glimpses of him, that's what changes us. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful. And that book, I know we're not to our resource question yet, but that book, I know what it is. It's none like him, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I've read that book twice. It's by Jen Wilkins, <laughs> the first one I've read. And um, it is one that I may probably put on my repeat list as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is phenomenal. A friend kept telling me, you've got to read this book. It's all about the nature of God. And again, this is where sometimes my background of growing up in church, I'm like, oh, I know. I know yeah. God's everlasting. I know he's all powerful. Yeah. But the way she dug into it, mm-hmm. um, it helped me see that sometimes we try to live in ways like God and be like him where we're not meant to be. Mm-hmm. And it really is so, so good. Yes. Have I you read that one. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I'm on in the middle of it and I love how she opens up the book. And she says that if you tell me a Proverbs 31 passage, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to sock you in your face. <laughs> like I love how real she is yeah. with the word. Yeah. Yeah. So. so it is really an excellent book. So if you don't have it on your reading list, make sure you get it on there. So, all right. What are some things that you have done practically to help you understand a passage? So this is getting a little more specific. Um, you hit on this, especially Xandra. So we're going to start with you on this one. But when you're reading through a passage, you talked about understanding the culture and what's being said. What are some things that you do when you look at a passage to help you understand it? Well, the first thing I look for is to pay attention to repeated words. So the scripture that I read in Ezekiel 36, 26, in just that one verse, it repeated heart and flesh a couple of times. Mm. And I tried to do a word study on them and even do a compare and contrast between the two points. So in instance, in the passage that God will will replace our new heart by removing the heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh. So you see there, it's, repeating the word heart and the word flesh. So then I ask myself, what does that mean in the context I'm reading? What does a heart of stone look like? Well, around that time, it was the worship of idols, and it's the one thing that really hardened our hearts is to have idolatry in our lives. In contrast, what does a heart of flesh look like? And in other versions, the word bazaar in Hebrew language, it's called meat. So when we, f- when we think about meat, we think about the meat at the grocery store, right. you know? But in the context, what is God trying to say? He's saying that I have given you a new heart and it's like meat that you need to, that you need to preserve by abiding in my word. Because in verse 27, it says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. In other words, God's giving us a call, um, God has given us all that we need in him, and he's given us the Holy Spirit that we can abide in him and live a clean life 
and a pure heart before him instead of a rotten heart. So a couple of things I noticed that you did there is you asked questions. Yeah. You stopped. You just read one verse there. I mean, you may have read the whole passage, but as you looked at that verse, sometimes a verse as you're reading will jump out to you. Um, and as that does, or as that phrase, I love that too, a phrase, I had just recently a phrase jump out at me when I was hearing my devotions and did what's called a word study. And you just mentioned doing that here. Um, the way you do a word study is you would look it up in Strong, something I use, Strong's Concordance. Um, this has every Hebrew word. That's in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was all written in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. The New Testament was written in Greek. So it's got Hebrew and Greek, and you can now, it's digital. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Y'all, you have no idea. That was a big old book we yes. used to have to use in discipleship. <laughs> Did you ever use, you probably only use digital, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so when I was a teenager, a lady named Minnie, who was a missionary, we called her Missionary Minnie. She was staying at our house, and she showed me as a young teenager how to use a Strong's Concordance. And it was a very thick book, probably about, I don't know, four or five inches thick, itty-bitty-bitty print. And you would have to look up in the Hebrew or the Greek section, find the number, and then go back to the numbers and look up the number. And it would just barely, it would real small list out every time that word is used. Um, because sometimes it's translated differently in English. So you can have, we, we hear a lot about the word love. Um, in the Greek, it's translated, let's see, there, there's three or four different words for uh, love in Greek that can mean very specific types of love. Mm -hmm. We talk about agape, phileo, but in English, we just have the one word, love. Mm -hmm. So as you dig into that, you can see what the different meanings are. You can see all the different places it's used. So is that what you use for your word today, or did you have a different resource? Yeah, I just use um, online resources. Okay. Yeah. So looking up, and um, that is so great now. When you do it online now, it mm -hmm. shows you those passages, and you can click on it and yeah. see that passage. I used to have to flip in my Bible, and it would take so much longer. Yeah. But yeah. And specifically, um, I use blueletterbible.com for looking that up, and they have all the, resor all the Strong's Concordance, all kinds of resources. It's a great resource for a Bible study for the words great. to look up. And um, aside from that, like we were talking about, using questions, saying, okay, what does this mean? What does this look like? And taking time to think about that and ask the Lord to reveal that to us. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that seeing a word repeated. I remember a Bible study teacher, um, I was doing one of her studies. This was a book study, and she was talking about noticing list. And I'd never seen mm -hmm. it before. But sometimes you'll read a passage, and it will list three or four things. And now when I see those lists, I take note and I number them. This is one, I'll put two over the second phrase and three over the, the thing, three things. Like I know at one place there's, it's more obvious in this one, but the, what four things does the Lord hate, you know, or, or maybe it's six seven. and seven. Yes. Seven are abomination to him. I think he hates six and seven are abomination. <laughs> <laughs> we need to study that one out. But um, that one's kind of more obvious, but it, that can be a great study is going through and looking at each mm -hmm. one of those things and saying, what does this look like? Mm -hmm. What does it look like in today's world? What did it look like back then in that culture? Mm -hmm. So that's some great stuff. Looking for lists, looking for words that are repeated. Great. I love that. So what about you, ladies? What's something that you say, you know, this is a way when I started reading a passage, this is something that helped me. Lucy? Well, I have been really... I have benefited a lot from using various commentaries. Remember when I was a teenager, I was given my first MacArthur Study Bible, and that was really helpful. Um, I used a few different versions and commentaries because no one guy has all the right answers, and you can't trust that. Yeah, even the best preachers, even Pastor Ty, <laughs> right. who is phenomenal, right. will not always have the best answer or take on a passage. Right, but those have been very helpful for pointing out the cultural clues and the word study because maybe the word study is just, you f would feel a little bit over your head, but they can point out something that you might not have caught before. But I've also heard, um, I remember, yeah, several years ago, a woman saying, the Bible explains itself. Look to see what scripture references are in the margins of your Bible to cross-reference mm -hmm. and look up those scriptures. And really, it does have a lot to do with the word search because generally they... Um, they are related and, and mentioned because they do use the same word. But that has a way of helping us understand 
the different concepts that have already been mentioned previously in the Word and helps us tie that all in together because we don't want to just understand one passage. We, we can't fully understand it by just looking at the passage itself, but trying to understand it in, in light of the whole of Scripture. Okay, so you just laid down two big Bible study concepts that we got to dig into. I'm so glad you did. The per- first one is commentaries. What's a commentary for those who don't know? How would you describe a commentary, Becky? Uh, and commentary is, um, without using the word commentary, <laughs> use the word commentary. <laughs> comments used by learned scholars on a passage. So men that have gone before, uh, men and women who have gone before and have studied a passage and have um, researched it, but it's their own, in their own words, how they interpret that scripture passage. So that's a great explanation. It's pastors and, and, and teachers, Bible teachers, who have studied through these the whole Bible. And they've as they've gone through and taught straight through the Bible, we have their notes <laughs> that explain what was going on in Ruth. You know, that's someone that just boggles my mind. So what, Ruth, what was going on in there? What was happening in this culture? Who is this written to? It'll tell you those things that you may not see at first glance when you start reading the Bible. So I think that's a big one. Um, you can find that on Blue Letter Bible. Mm-hmm. Even the link I use, uh, Elia, which is the Strong's link I use, there's a little thing that you can click on that says tools, and you can go right under commentary and read um, the different thoughts. Now, I will tell you this. Here's my little thought on commentaries. I cannot tell you, though, how many times I will have a verse. I'm like, what in the world? This does not fit. And those cowards, they skip over it. I'm looking in the commentaries and this every is true. one of them, they will just talk about that whole passage except that one verse. And so that's my beef with commentaries. <laughs> They're not a full thing. And then uh, the second thing that you mentioned, and I'm forgetting it now. Oh, it's taking um, understanding in light of the whole of scripture. Scripture by scripture. Yes. Um, this was a great truth. If you are new to scripture, there may be times that you see something, a verse, for example, um, there may be a verse that seems like, oh, we get saved by being baptized. And you're like, that verse says that. Well, that's not true. And we know by comparing with other scripture that there are so many scriptures about salvation that say it's by grace, not works, we're saved, that we're saved through faith, you know, that it's by coming to him and confessing with our mouth and believing with our heart that we're saved. And so when you compare scripture with scripture, you say, okay, this one time, the Bible never has errors. So if there's a problem, it's a problem with my understanding, not with the scripture itself. So comparing other scriptures saying, okay, this seems like it's about salvation, but wait a minute, all of these other verses say this about salvation. So, again, and that's where sometimes commentaries are a great help because they can explain what's going on or at least give you some good thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I love that, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Good, and using those cross-references. Becky, you got anything to add here? What's helped you with with looking at a passage? Well, one thing in looking at a passage, and when I first um, came to know the Lord, I was was a child, and I, I just really, through the teen years and even through college, mostly studied God's word and by topic and not really chronologically. And something that helped me later in life was um, going, like reading through God's word on a chronological reading pattern. So in, in order of the time of starting in Genesis 1 with creation and reading through to Revelation. But um, the way that the Bible is structured and organized is not necessarily in a chronological format with time and with history. And for me, it helped me see God's overall plan of redemption from a bird's eye view and know what shelf to put some of those teachings I had received earlier in my life, what shelf to put those on. Because it was all, not all there, that sounds really self like, <laughs> like, yeah, I knew it all. Yeah. But, um, but there was a lot there. I just didn't necessarily see it where it belonged. And so it really helped to um, do that, to read How through God's Word. How can they find out the, the chronological order, what was written first, which most believe is Job, right? Um, well, when I say chronological, I mean in order of the time of this earth, so beginning with creation. So not necessarily in order of when it was written, but more in order of history and, and what happened first. So um, I, I am currently using a reading plan. Um, I just 
um, purchased a new version of the Bible and I wanted to read completely through it. And so I started reading it with a devotional that um, is a chronological study and I can't remember the title of okay, it right that's now. that's all right. But um, you, and you, know, you can find reading plans online as well. Um, any any kind of read through the Bible in a year reading plan or I all kinds of I think I know what you're talking plans. about. And I think they even have chronological Bibles that, um, and what I like is especially when you get to the Kings, because um, you've got First and Second Kings and First mm-hmm. and Second Chronicles, which are kind of, they, they're the same time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you read them, you feel like sometimes you're having a repeat, but it's kind of nice to see those passages spliced together. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to explain until you've seen a chronological Bible, but to know what it'll do is it'll show that passage, this happened with this king, and then it'll show it not just from First Kings, but it'll show it from First Chronicles. Yeah. And oh. with the prophets, with the prophets, which prophets were prophesying at which time and, and just in, in the uh, context of, of Scripture. So in understanding context and um, that you know, really his be really historical helpful with the prophets context. too, because a lot of them are mm-hmm. going through that time where that king's rebelling. So it's great to see. Oh, Isaiah is writing about this. This is what right. he's living through. So uh, that's a great, great tip. Um, some someone else mentioned looking at different versions of the Bible. I think you mm-hmm. mentioned that, and Lissy mentioned that as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something that really helped me. I was raised on King James version. It's still my favorite. Most of my memorization's done through that. But when I started listening to the audio Bible for my devotions in the morning, it was in a different version. And I remember there were so many times it almost woke me up because Mm -hmm. I had almost become numb to certain passages. And um, sometimes it's embarrassing the fact that I would not think through something. I think I had heard it as a child and I wouldn't think through something that's kind of obvious to me now as an adult, but hearing it in a different wording made me understand for example, this is one of the silliest ones. Y'all are going to die when you hear this. This was like last year. Okay, I'm listening to it, and it talks about how we need to trust in God, and it talked about how he provides for the fowls of the air. And the lilies, well, do you remember what it says about the lilies? Neither do they toil nor spin. spin. Okay, and so I had heard this verse since I was a little girl, and as a little girl, I'm not thinking about a spinning wheel, spinning clothes and making clothes. I'm thinking about something twirling i'm thinking about i'm picturing spinning lilies i just thought lilies were spinning and i don't know i never i never thought about it even as an adult i would think yeah he provides for the birds what they need and the lilies you know they don't need clothes and they they spin on their own and then i heard it last year in the devotion and it jumped out to me because it was worded differently like i don't remember if it was a word weave clothes or something like that use a spinning wheel or something and i was like it was one of those you know face palm <laughs> moments where how have I missed this all these years? Oh. Yeah. Because I'm with you. I totally was picturing a field of lilies just twirling. Was this your aha moment and, right yes. here? Like, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. See, this is why it's important to discuss with friends. What are you reading in scripture? Yeah. It wasn't about and dancing lilies. <laughs> not dancing yes. lilies. They weren't dancing, you know? It's not I like oh, they can dance on their own. But no, there are times, too, in my Bible study that I'll use those online resources. I think you can do this through Blue Letter Bible. But online resources where I love it, I'll be looking at a verse, and it will show me that verse in many different translations. And it's great because sometimes just reading it, that helps me meditate on it, mm-hmm. helps me think about what, what this is saying and the different ways to comprehend it. And in fact, there's been a few times where in the different version I was listening to, I remember getting a little, like, angry. That's so sad when you get angry in your devotions. But I'm like, that's not what that means. And then I would study it out in the Hebrew or Greek, and I'm like, oh, my word. That's exactly what it means. <laughs> so it is definitely uh, using some other versions alongside of that has helped me um, in studying the scripture. So great tips. Uh, let's see. What about this? Can you share with us one thing that God has taught you recently through his word? Maybe it's a passage that spoke to your heart or just something, um, Becky, if you want to share more about how just now God opened your understanding of the lilies, <laughs> share with us something that God has uh, maybe spoken to you, maybe something that jumped out to you in your study. Well, um, for me, I think just overall, and I kind of shared about this a little bit earlier, but um, in the study that I had gone through in the Jen Wilkin book on um, knowing God and his his characteristics as creator and my characteristics as the created one and my limitations and recognizing um, that as a creation, um, as a created being, I 
he created me with limits and um, those are for his glory and to rejoice in that instead of you know getting angry with oh man I can't keep up with this life I can't keep up with you know the daily ins and outs and instead of getting angry and frustrated rejoicing in how I am created by him and specifically to have limitations so that he is glorified when I come to him and when I cry out to him and when I rest in him and um, seek him and know him, he is glorified in that. And um, so that's something I'm continually, continually uh, seeking to learn more about as well. Right. What about you, Lissy? Well, I've been doing a study uh, in Matthew. It started out as I was starting a one-year reading plan and then stopped in Matthew when I realized, similar to what you've said, I've read this many times, but I need a better grasp of what this actually means. And so my husband had a book that he had been reading um, that's a commentary of Matthew called um, Behold Our King um, by Stan- Stanley Toussaint. And I started reading that, and it explains it verse by verse. And through that, I realized just how important humility is in God's plan. Because as Jesus was speaking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the disciples and the multitudes, you see the different reactions to the gospel and that offer for the kingdom that he was making to the Jewish people at that time. And you realize that the, the, for the Pharisees and Sadducees, their pride was a huge stumbling block that meant ultimately they didn't accept his message. And so that's really made humility stand out to me and how important it is in God's plan. I think you just brought out something really beautiful. Um, When we talk about Bible study, sometimes it's easy to get very religious in our pursuit of God. And I love that you said, I started with this. I'm going to read through the Bible and I'm reading through this. And then when you realize, whoa, hold on here. The Lord moved in your heart and you saw something you need to study. And some of us would have been so tempted because we're perfectionist or we're trying to check something off our list. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to finish this. I love that that's that's what it is. It's not about checking off a list. It's not about completing something. It's about finding what works and finding ways to know God. And when the Lord moved in your heart there, you said, this is how I'm going to know you better, Lord. I want to know you in Matthew. Mm-hmm. And that's where you put your focus. I think that's a key for, for our listeners out there who are just starting. You can try different things, but find something that's going to help you know God's word, know who he is through the pages of his word. That was part one of our Bible study panel podcast. We hope you've been inspired to dig deeper into the Word of God, and we want to remind you to make sure that whether you're listening to us on Podomatic or iTunes, that you'll go down and click that little subscribe button so that you can ensure that part two that will be released later this month will come directly to you, and you won't have to miss any more from these exciting ladies. Now, we'll have more stories with real women, real walks with God coming to you each month. Thank you for joining us at the Inspire Podcast.